welcome to Climate Watch, a podcast that delves deep into the pressing issues of climate change. I'm Gao Junya. In 2023, we felt the heat of climate change like never before. It's been a year of record-breaking temperatures and devastating natural disasters. But it's also been a year of accelerated global efforts to combat these challenges and drive towards green development. In today's program, we take a comprehensive look back at the impacts of climate change in 2023 and the steps being taken to forge a sustainable future. The World Meteorological Organization has confirmed 2023 is the warmest year on record, with global temperatures reaching about 1.4 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. WMO Secretary General Piteri Talas explains the significance of this milestone. This year is going to be the warmest year on record. We have reached 1.4 degrees, so we are pretty close to the Paris 1.5 degrees limit. And we have also broken records in main greenhouse gas concentrations, carbon dioxide, methane and nitrous oxide. We have doubled sea level rise and and we have started seeing melting of uh, Antarctic uh, sea ice, which is a new feature. From the unprecedented rainfalls in Beijing to the wildfires in Hawaii, and from the droughts in the Horn of Africa to the melting glaciers in the Alps, 2023 has seen numerous climate anomalies making global headlines. These events underscore UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres' warning of an era of global boiling. Humanity is in the hot seat. The consequences are clear and they are tragic. Children swept away by monsoon rains, families running from the flames, workers collapsing in scorching heat. The era of global warming has ended, the era of global boiling has arrived. For more on the climate change impacts in 2023, I spoke to Chen Yingjie, senior researcher with Green Innovation Hub, an environmental think tank. The World Meteorological Organization declared 2023 as the hottest year on record. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres described this as the beginning of the era of global boiling. Could you provide specific details on the global temperature rise in 2023? Thank you. Um, as we might heard many times, 2023 is another year that hit the warming record. And for the calendar year today, it's actually from January to November. The global mean temperature for this year is the highest on record and 1.46 Celsius degree above the pre-industrial average, slight higher than the 11 months average for 2016, currently the warmest calendar year on record. So for the year to the end of November, all the days have been above the 1,000 degree level above pre-industrial level. More than a third of days in this year are more than 1.5 Celsius degree above the pre-industrial level. So according to the latest report of WMO, also the ocean heat content reached its highest level and broke the 65-year observational record. And we also see in Arctic, the surface temperature in some areas during the summer, this summer from July to September, were 
four sales degrees or more above the average. So personally, I really agree with what the UN Secretary General said. We might have opened the gate and have entered the era of global warming. Hmm. Besides this rising of temperatures, we've all witnessed extreme weather events over this passing year, and actually, they are stark reminders of how serious the impact of climate change is. India, could you also please highlight some key extreme weather incidents of 2023? What damages and destructions have they brought? Will such events become more frequent in the future? So climate change have affected and will continue threatening all the regions and populations around the world. And in this year, we actually heard a lot of severe climate change-related extreme events, including heavy rains. Floods, wildfires, droughts, and etc. For example, in August, Beijing, we lived, experienced its heaviest rainfall in 140 years, and a reservoir in Changping District actually logged a precipitation reading of more than 700 millimeters between Saturday to Wednesday, far exceeding the previous record of about 600 millimeters. Just in Beijing, the disaster have caused more than 30 deaths, and we also know that in Canada, the wildfire season in this year is most destructive ever recorded.、Mm-hmm. By September, more than 6,000 fires have torched a staggering about 15 million hectares of land, and this is an area larger than Greece and more than double the last record. Also, the wildfire in Canada have caused severe air pollution in the U.S., like in New York. Another extreme event was in Hawaii. A series of wildfires have burned the parts of the island of Maui in August, and the fire reduced most of the town to ash and ruins. And about 100 people were killed by smoke and flames, or their drowning in the Ocean and making the wildfire one of the world's deadliest on record. And in Africa, we witnessed catastrophic flooding struck eastern Libya on September, and more than 4,000 people were killed, and some 10,000 were missing after the heavy rains and flooding generated by the storm Daniel. And about 20% of the city was destroyed by the flooding. So those kind of extreme events really have caused great damage and losses to countries around the world, especially for developing countries. Such events could become more frequent as the temperature keep rising, because the abnormal of the climate circle would become more and more frequent and severe. Yes, just like you said,、um, they've been affecting us so seriously because,、uh, you know, you and I we are living and working in Beijing. We've witnessed how the downpours and the floods in Beijing have affected our daily lives and the destructions it's brought. So I'm curious to know what is the current state of the Antarctica and Arctic regions, although they are so far away from us. So how are they doing now, including the tundra and the glaciers? How have these areas been affected by climate change recently?、Um, so, according to the latest report of WMO, the Antarctic sea ice extent reached 
an absolutely low record for the satellite era, which is from 1979 to present in February. So we actually didn't have data on the sea ice extent before the, this time period. And mm -hmm. ice extent was at a record low from June onwards. And in Switzerland, the glaciers actually lost around 10% of their remaining volume in the past two years. We are really losing our glaciers. And for Arctic, the sea ice extent remained well below normal in 2023, with the annual maximum and annual minimum extent being respectively the lowest in the 45-year satellite record. And all people actually on Earth are depending on directly or indirectly on the ocean and a cryosphere. However, over the last decade, global warming has led to widespread shrinking of the glaciers, with the mass loss from ice sheets and glaciers, reduction in the snow cover, and also the Arctic sea ice content and the thickness and the increased thermal temperature. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Amid these challenges, humanity is seeking solutions. COP28 concluded with renewed commitment to limit global temperature rise. We have the roadmap to limit the rise in global temperature to 1.5 degrees Celsius and avoid the worst of climate chaos. But we need leaders to fire the starting gun at COP28 on a race to keep the 1.5 degree limit alive. The world's top two emitters, the US and China, are boosting collective efforts to address the crisis. U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate John Kerry stressed that climate cooperation between the U.S. and China has implications for the entire globe. We think it's very important, not just for us, but important for everybody in the world. And we welcome the effort to try to uh, make more things happen on climate, but also improve relationships. Chen Jie shared her ideas on the progress we've made to address climate change and the further actions needed. Yes, India, we've been talking about all these pressing issues. They're quite heartwrecking. Let's come to the hope. Let's come to the actions we've taken and the actions we're going to take. Because there are some positive signals from the world's top two carbon dioxide emitters. The U.S. and China, they released the Sunnyland Statement on Enhancing Cooperation to Address the Climate Crisis this November. And before that, California Governor Gavin Newsom's visit to China in October also highlighted the climate cooperation. What specific actions can the U.S. and China take to spearhead global climate efforts, in your opinion? Yes, so actually the climate dialogues between China and the U.S. has a long history. And in the past, there have been bilateral dialogues between cities and between ministers. Also, there are discussions on different topics and areas such as renewable energy and etc. The Sunnyland statement reached by China and the U.S. before COP28 actually along with the formal dialogues, mm -hmm. has sent positive signs 
a signal of cooperation, therefore made a constructive contribution to the outcomes of COP28, such as we reaching energy targets as tripling the renewable energy and improving our energy efficiency. And in the future, China and the U.S. can really further engage in exchanges and cooperation also between the local ones, the states and provinces and cities, and also industries, focusing on the areas such as energy efficiency and reducing missing emissions and the transition to renewable energy. Mm. And this kind of cooperation will definitely drive tangible progress in global climate actions and provide political momentum for the future international climate governance. Mm. And speaking of COP28, Yingjie, you're a key observer of COP28, and you were there attending this conference in Dubai. We know that COP28 was significant for concluding the global stock take under the 2015 Paris Agreement, and the conference ended with the UAE consensus. What key achievements were made at COP28? What more needs to be done? Actually, the UAE consensus comprised of several important decisions, including, you mentioned, the outcome, the first global stock take, and also the new funding arrangement for loss and damage, which is an emerging hot topic from last year. And also there are decisions about mitigation, about global goal on adaptation, and also on just transition. So the UAE Just Transition Work Program become an official agenda this year. And therefore, the UAE consensus is more likely to be a package that touch upon all the current important climate governance issues, specifically taking the first global stock take as an example. I believe the biggest headline for media, I believe, is the consensus was reached on calling parties to contribute to global energy transition, including transitioning away from fossil fuels, and which is the most controversial one during the negotiation process. And also in the energy package, we see new commitments such as tripling the installed capacity of renewable energy and doubling the improvement rates of energy efficiency. And even though the debates were really fierce during the two weeks, countries finally made such commitment that could keep our 1.5 Celsius degree goal alive. However, we also noticed that the quantified targets, especially in the outcomes of global goal of adaptation, are lacked. Even though the targets are in place, or to say we found them in the tests, the world still needs means of implementation and translate this kind of commitments into solid actions. And especially for developing countries, they definitely need support from developed countries, including finance, technology transfer, and capacity building to properly and sustainably taking actions and meet their climate goals. Mm. It seems to me that, Yingjie, you're an optimistic when it comes to the climate change issues. You believe the actions, the measures we've been taking and we're going to take, they're going to help to mitigate this problem. Um, I hope I'm right. So looking ahead, what are the uncertainties and certainties regarding the future of climate change? 
So first, for certainties, we definitely made progress. So before the adoption of the Paris Agreement, the expected temperature rise of the world was four Celsius degrees. However, now according to the assessment of the first global stock take, with the full implementation of the first round of national determined contributions, which is NDC, the temperature increase range will be about. 2.1 to 2.6 degrees. So therefore, it's obvious that the commitments and the policy circle, as well as the actions we have taken, contains the speed and range of global warming.、Mm. Another certainty is that huge gap still exists between our commitments and the long-term goals of Paris Agreement. Significantly great emission reductions, as well as the adaptation. Actions are required to align with the our global goal of combating climate change and in line with the temperature goal of Paris Agreement. And the need to address this gap is really urgent. So the final certainty, from my perspective, is against such background countries as well as non-state actors. They are working hard to close the gap. And combat climate change, but they really have to speed up and to to enhance their actions. So for uncertainties, first of all, climate change are becoming more and more severe and evident. But we don't know exactly what kind of climate hazards and other ecological and social risks would be under the scenario of. Like climate action failure,、uh, in the world, in the world, maybe reach above two degrees. And secondly, we see a lot of commitments are there, but to what extent those commitments could be implemented and fulfilled remain uncertain. And for developing countries, whether they could receive abundant support from developed countries, including like finance, technology, etc. Especially under the compounding crisis, including like inflation, debts, and this kind of widespread social unrest and also geopolitical confrontation, so that remain unknown. And last but not least, the speed of transition, which in line with the 1.5 pathway, is so fast, and the scope of transition itself is so broad. So, how can we ensure just transition, including resolving the unemployment problem, and mitigate the social inequality for vulnerable groups, including women, children, youth, and、um, etc., and achieving the well-beings of people? So, those problems or challenges still await our innovative solutions, and they are uncertain. Yeah, I think the impact of climate change. At least to us, you know, around us, it seems that they're not that positive. Also, like you said, Yingjie, we don't know what the scenario would be if the temperature rise by two degrees Celsius. But on a different note, Yingjie, do you think there are actually some positive impacts of climate change? For example, maybe Northern Europe, they're going to be more amiable for living. Um. Yeah. So for certain regions、uh, within a specific time frame, climate change may have some positive impact. For example, in agriculture, the overall yields of soybean and rice, so two of the major crops in China, they are actually limited affected by climate change. 
in some areas in the northern part of China, we have even observed a slight increase in rice yields due to the rising temperature and humidity. Yes, as you mentioned, this might also happen in northern Europe. However, it is important to note that global warming does not simply represents a steady increase in temperature or something like that. Mm -hmm. It also signifies abnormal events. So climate change may lead to inevitable increase in multiple climate hazards and poses various risks to our ecosystem and our society and the human systems as the temperature continues to rise. Moreover, if we consider this issue from a longer time frame, we would realize that the positive impacts are temporary. For example, in Tibetan area, glaciers are rapidly melting now, like resulting an increase in river runoffs. However, once the glacier, they have completely melted, people living by the rivers may face a situation where there's no longer any waters in the rivers. So definitely not a good news. So therefore, it is crucial to approach climate change from a more holistic and long-term perspective when we're really looking at this, the climate impacts. Yeah, it's good to have your opinion, India, a climate expert on this. You're right, you're very careful with your wording because you are saying, you know, within a certain time frame and certain countries, but like you said, in a longer time frame, it won't be that positive. Mm, looking back, India, how would you describe the global climate situation in 2023? Let me use some keywords here. Uh, so first, the era of global boiling. Mm -hmm. I believe, personally, I believe that that is what's happening. So representing for the rising temperature, like the when several days we reached 1.5 degree and the worldwide climate hazards we have witnessed, and second, uh, maintaining a momentum despite compounding crisis. Because even though we having difficult situations, maybe in global cooperation or something like that, and we also see like regional wars or something like that, but we finally reach certain consensus on climate change at the end of the year. And I believe it's a good signs of cooperation and multilateralism. And third, the need of international cooperation. So climate change cannot be resolved by individual countries, not by just maybe China and other US and other countries. And the world have to come together and taking actions, taking collective actions. We notice that there are positive signs between China and the US, China and Europe, and China and Belt and Road countries. But there are also unilateral trends, such as the trading tax, the CBA, mm -hmm. and the bans on technologies, the green technologies. Um, and there are some trends that are not so positive. But we have to insist on multilateralism and really foster international cooperation, not only to combat climate change, but the sustainable development of a global economy and our society. So that's what I think about to conclude 2023 and also making some expectations to 2024. That was Chen Yingjie, senior researcher with Green Innovation Hub, an environmental think tank. 
Now let's follow Yang Guang for the latest climate developments around the world. Italy has experienced a record-setting number of extreme weather events in 2023, a year that is said to be the warmest in more than 150 years. The southern European country reported 378 severe weather events in 2023, an increase of 22 percent. Several districts in Germany have issued disaster alerts as rain triggered severe floods. Zimbabwe and Zambia are set to experience further reduced electricity generation from Lake Kariba, as water inflows into the lake remained low because of limited rains. Australia has added 17 new species to the country's threatened species list. The Australian government launched a new threatened species action plan in 2022, with the goal of no new extinctions of native Australian flora and fauna. As the year comes to a close, it's crucial we all play our part to mitigate climate change. Climate Watch will continue to highlight important issues and inspire change. We wish all of our listeners a healthy, prosperous, and eco-conscious New Year. Join us again in 2024.